Content warnings for this episode include queer trauma, brief depression and suicide, and general discussion of queer folks dealing with sometimes unaffirming families and faith communities during the holiday season. listening to Horror Nerds at Church, a podcast where we take a deep dive into a horror film and talk about what it can teach us about God, the Bible, and each other. Today is our seventh mini-sode, and mini-sodes are usually your, you share your real-life horror stories, but today we're doing something a little bit different, which I'll get into in just a moment. But my name is Pace. My name is Susanna. Yay! We have special guest Susanna Porter with us. Um, So Susanna is a dear friend of mine we've known each other through we're one of those like social media friends that knew each other for a long time on social media and then only met like right before the pandemic started and then of course we couldn't really hang out because of the pandemic for a while but um i was so sad about it yeah i know right uh but she's been on the uh she's on the elm board she's a lay theologian yes i will say that term for her even though i'm sure she's not super comfortable with that term but i say just take claim it um okay. also a f- uh, former delaware maryland synod council member a former congressional field director and a whole bunch of other things including being a super techie genius so we are so happy to have you here thanks for having me i'm so excited i've been looking forward to this for so long yay um so today's minisode is going to be basically your um horror nerds at churches queer holiday survival guide so i know a lot of our listenership is queer and even those who are not queer are allies so i think this is a good thing to get into um as the holidays approach uh so basically we're just going to talk about like a few tips on how to make it through the holidays and also just talk a little bit about why the holidays kind of frequently suck for queer people and uh, um, other marginalized folk but i think especially for queer people uh so we'll get into that in just a moment but how are you doing Susanna? how are how's life been treating you uh this has been a year it's not any better than 2020 um but you know i'm hanging in there and i think when all of this pandemic is over i will know i think a lot clearer about what God wants for me and who my chosen family is and what direction I'm supposed to be because it's all very hard but it also feels right you know like like my mom had her stroke and she has always been like a difficult human and so I'm learning a lot about what it really means to be family right now um, and what's expected of me versus what's against my boundaries and also honor thy mother and there's like a whole lot of things going on there um, but like, I think at the end of the day, I'm, it's, they're hard lessons, but I'm learning them okay. And I think, you know, like also what my body can take because of COVID. So like, for those who didn't know, I had COVID and it was rough and it's the long haul was like worse than the thing. And Pace, they were there while I had COVID, like on on zoom like telling me to turn over on my stomach when i was sleeping on my back and like 
doing the YMCA to open up my lungs, you know, dance party every now and then. So, um, paces see me at my worst. And I, I think, I think I'm doing okay. I just, I'm just very overwhelmed. I think, yeah, I think this year is super overwhelming for so many of us. And so, yeah, I, it really has been a year. Um, like we're very close to don't give a shit. Like we're like you, if you haven't found don't give a shit by now, what are you even doing? Like (laughs) that. What is your life? Like, you, this is the don't give a shit when everything falls into its place of I can deal with this. I can't deal with this. And there's just so many things right now since the pandemic that we are like, okay, that wasn't really necessary. Like m- some meetings, they were never really necessary. Now where are they? A lot of work in the office. Not really ne- necessary. Now was right, it? Right. You know, like this whole like, oh, church isn't real if it's online. That kind of bullshit wasn't really necessary. Now was it? So like <laughs> we're learning like the truth has has set us free in the pandemic. Yeah. A little bit of um a mini kind of reformation going on, I think, about yeah. a lot of the bullshit yeah. in church and capitalism and the world at large. But ugh. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I'm not saying that I have a deity that does it on purpose. You know, like I'm not saying like mm-hmm. we were we were just becoming so shitty God had to do a thing. Like I don't think that the pandemic is is a is god god's work in any way but i do think that yeah, yeah. i have a god and particularly the luther lutheran god is a god that makes lemonade out of lemons and um mm-hmm. so i think there's been some interesting lemonade that was a long time coming for a lot of us particularly queer folks yeah you know yeah like we can all see um, now whether or not a church we can all see you know we can go online right? and see their service and see Who's there? You know, how how diverse is it? Do we see any flags? Are there any folks of color? Are there any trans folks? We can see, like, are that rainbow on your website, do you walk that walk? Because I can look at yep. it in the pews now. So For real. Oh, my God. Uh, for real. And I think this is a good transition into the question we ask every guest on our podcast um, is, do you have a real life? church horror story and that can be defined however you want it sometimes it's supernatural (laughs) as ghost stories sometimes it is and more frequently it is people just being shitty and bad theology all that stuff so oh there's so i don't i don't know how i stay here you know what i think it's because the people i find (laughs) are so so great that it they put everything in perspective like the few gems that i find in church related circles like you like make oh. all the other things just that just all falls away like shake the dust off my sandals type of thing compared to the yeah. real gems that i find um the, the i think there's several in the last year um god what, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna my notes telling me to start with the coffee though so we'll start with the coffee okay church has ruined queer coffee for me it's so sad like in a queer community coffee is this it, it's a couple different things usually it's um where you either egg you're like going over the morning the night before and mm-hmm. it with joy and with shock and with like gossip or you are 
um, you haven't seen somebody in a long time. And so you're having coffee because you want to catch up. And all, by the way, when a queer person says, let's have coffee, they, they, they mean it. Um, yep. And or it's like kikiing is a phrase I hear a lot of people use for that kind of idea of like catching up. It can be a little bit of gossiping. It can be a little bit of just venting, complaining, all that stuff that we do with, you know, close friends and chosen family. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful thing, even when it's hard, even when it's like you've had some sort of altercation or falling out with somebody in your community, you know that when they say, okay, let's have a coffee, that it's about reconciliation. You know, even mm, when the coffee mm-hmm. is hard, it's about meeting somebody where they are or admitting something that has gone wrong and trying to do better. But coffee is this like beautiful ritual of community a lot of the things that i think communion is a little bit about um i this queer coffee for me it's about being in community together being on the same page together in what you're doing um and putting first things first um and it's it's like a really important thing for me and then i go so it was a couple years ago i think 2018 i had uh, been with this church that had a rainbow on the website and um they this pastor picked me up at a orlando pulse vigil that's where this pastor recruited me into their congregation um and they had the rainbow on the website but had done none of the ric work the reconciling in christ work which is um they have a program called building an inclusive church and it's this whole thing that that makes congregations have some of the hard discussions that are required so that you can not necessarily not be one of those like surface queer friendly churches but actually have had some work um and he of course had not done that work um and we had had an all-out fight about whether or not he had to do that work um, mostly because he overheard me, and this happened at Christmas. Um, he overheard me say to some queer friends who had come to the midweek service, which was the one I went to, um, I, they said, hey, what do you think of the Sunday service? Do you think I can bring my friends to it? And I was like, I can't vouch for the Sunday service. Like the first time I've been, it wasn't necessarily super great. Um, the first time I've been, the, there was a woman there who was like, oh, yeah, yeah queer stuff yeah i totally know what that's like like i dyed my hair blue last summer and everyone looked at me i was like that is not what that's like so that was my like sunday and so i didn't vouch for it and the pastor got really upset with me and said why can't i deserve for you to bring your friends um and i was like yeah but i haven't been to sunday since then i can't vouch for it and in my community my vouching for things means something because so much of our safety is defined that way. And, um, and then like, so this is the kind of church that it was like, there was had to be a whole big to do a whole big fight before. And he finally, he, I guess he lost his nerve with me when I, after I just like to say after a congregational meeting that it was unanimous for a bylaws revision, he was upset with me because I was not letting go of a, um, my call for a sexual harassment uh, statement, sexual harassment position mm. in our bylaws, which everybody had approved, but he did not want to touch the bylaws. So given this dispute between him and I, um, 
and multiple other things, he invited me to coffee. And being a queer person, I was like, this is reconciliation. We're going to figure out something, right? Mm. It was, it was, it was, it was an absolute church horror horror show. Like they know what they're doing. Like all the things of a good horror show come down. They put you in a place that you can't escape, you know, but you can't like, it reminds me about being buried alive, right? You can't do certain emotions that you feel. You can't have the reactions that you should have because it's in a public place. Right. And so you, mm-hmm. but you also can't show a scene so they can say or do anything. Um, and I hadn't had, and I was there for nine hours, nine hours. Jesus Christ. It was a, it was a nine hours of it's you or me, you are broken and you don't know how you're broken. So you're never going to be able to fix it. Um, just, a lot you take up too much space like a lot of stuff like that and it went on for nine hours and there were a couple times when i was like hey you know it's been a couple hours maybe we could talk about this another time and he would just keep going and over time even though i'm like this like i'm really sensitive at christmas like the rest of the year i could be really hardcore but at christmas i'm really sensitive and it just really ouch it really got me it really got me. So uh, I don't I don't know. I, I still to this day, if I have if I have an altercation with someone I care about, like the first like, sh- you know, you have like a shitty committee in your head when you come from a dysfunctional home. My shitty committee thing always pulls that up front, which is like you're broken and you don't know how you're broken. So you can never fix it. You're just doomed to disappoint everybody. Um. And I mean, he said all kinds of things like he was going to report me to the bishop. He was going to like that was over a cake reporting me to the bishop. He was mad that we had a cake and cut it. (laughs) He had not gotten a supply pastor for like three weeks in a row. And it's literally in the Constitution that we're supposed to have one anyway so like there was a point where we like they were just they were just craving to eat as a community to consume something as a community even if it wasn't quote unquote real communion they were craving it at this point so somebody brought a cake and then another person like just happened to be reading corinthians while somebody else karate chopped the cake into pieces and handed it out to everybody and he was like i'm reporting you to the bishop because you were like blasphemy and like i don't know sanctification i don't know i told us this white male that he wasn't needed for communion it was a whole thing um not that i think (laughs) (laughs) so yeah that was there was that it was nine hours of i mean i think i've locked half of it out i was hungry at some point i was like can we please stop so i can eat food and he just kept going I I don't know. I think I cri- I cried for like two days after. Like it really got to me. Jesus, for real, yeah. I mean, it, it's the thing about taking something that is sacred to us as queer people, like the coffee kiki, turning it into something that's profane, like this dressing down for no reason other than cis fragile male masculinity stuff. Like it's just. I'm sorry. And the fact that, that you were saying that happened near Christmas too, yeah. like in the holiday. Yeah. Oh, geez. I think it happened like right after Christmas, which had been a really difficult Christmas because I had decided with the fight that I had with him to step away from the church. And then that's when the coffee happened. So, um, oh, God. And, and all of this, by the way, it's just like, I, re- I really like 
the horror of it for me is always in the hypocrisy. That's like the that's that's the thing that that really twists it in for me. The horror of it is this like is is that there's this beautiful like outside view of things and inside mm-hmm. is just rotten. It's like every like fairy tale there's this beautiful thing that's a facade and inside of it is just rotten. Um and that's yeah. that's where the real horror for me is when the rotten comes to the surface yeah oh it's no it's all good i i think a question that a lot of i think cis ahead people cis straight people don't quite understand is just how difficult the holidays is by and large for most queer people i mean there are of course exceptions to every rule but i think for most of us the holiday season from basically thanksgiving through christmas or uh, hanukkah or whatever is a very difficult time because there's all this pressure mm-hmm. to be around family and oftentimes families aren't accepting and stuff so i was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit like what what do you think makes the holidays typically like a difficult time for queer folk i think the holidays um bring in the most conformity like at at that time like that's the time when white cis heteronormative culture feels they have a right to put down to throw down about just just for this particular holiday everything's going to be their way it's going to be traditional it's going to be whatever and and for the most part people who are not part of that actually give them that in some respects, because they were raised with, it. they're like, oh, okay, well, they're gonna, ha- they, they let them have one month of the year where we're not bothering them. But like, part of why it's so hard is that even when you've cut ties, you're still faced with all of those traditions, all of those things put before you. So like the message, again, in, in a true horror way, the message on the outside is this like family peace and unity. And on the inside, yeah. it is 100% not. Either A, first of all, holidays are when queer people are most likely to commit suicide or harm themselves in some kind of way. It's been proven over and over again. Um because they are right if they haven't cut ties then they're right in front of their parents the whole family questioning their validity their existence their right to take up space and then even if that's not on the table then what is on the table is can you just pretend like you don't take up the space that you take up or can you pretend to be a different person just for a little bit and a lot of cishet people don't realize how soul crushing that is like to the point of how many people are not allowed to bring their significant others to family gatherings just because grandma's there and she wouldn't understand mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck reason it is. Or like, <laughs> even if you are allowed to bring your significant other, you have to like introduce them as your friend or something. Like, it's oh, girl, mess. I brought home so and, many roommates. Oh, so bad. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So many roommates. <laughs> And like, I have this one, my God family, God bless them. I love them. They're, they're lovely. (laughs) They're lovely. But like all of my ex-girlfriends, they got them all mixed up and I'd be with somebody for like at least a year and a half. Right. And they, they would call the second one by the first one's name and the third one by the second, like to them, all lesbians looked alike, I guess, or something. <laughs> like, I love it. And, yeah. And they, and, and that they were the, mo- that was my most inclusive space. 
Like even my yeah, most inclusive yeah. space would still probably not like certain areas of my life if I came out about them, you know? So, yeah. Oh, that's another thing. Like the, um, the, 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 people that are only in monogamous relationships, Christmas is complete hell too. Right. <laughs> so right. like if my, I mean, I don't think they're listening to your podcast. So if my God family knew that I was a polyamorous person, then they would, they would want me to, they'd be, they, I accept you for who you are, but I don't know mm-hmm. how they're going to react when they find out that I am. And I'm working on that. So they're, it's a whole thing. There's this whole thing, and I don't want. I know my um, my family of origin listens to this podcast, so like I don't want to get into it too much. Because, but there there has been some conflict over me being polyamorous with my um, parents and stuff, and just like who's allowed to come to a wedding and stuff like that. So it's like, so that's also kind of fresh in my mind. And while they they've grown a lot and stuff, and they definitely seem to be more um, open to stuff in the future but like it you're exactly right like if you are allowed to bring a partner you have to like choose one or something like that uh you can't be fully open or you can't bring all your partners or something to a family gathering um yeah. or like with me, me and my husband my husband is um he's out to his mom but he's not really allowed to be well he's allowed to do every once of course but like he and his mom have both chosen not to tell his dad and so like there's a lot of what you can do around the holidays just in that kind of stuff and like i can't have a relationship with my in-laws and stuff like that so it's like it's just a mess and so i i I just think that a lot of uh cis straight people just don't there's there's conflict in all sorts of families especially like i uh people who've grown up in families with addiction Mm -hmm. or um alcoholism anything like that but like even so there's kind of this there's a particular horror to it among queer communities that I think a lot of cis straight people just don't really think of um, typically. Yeah, no, no, seriously. There's this one song, I sent it to you, I can't remember the artist, but the song is It's a Very Queer Christmas. And uh, like, they're, like the lyrics include things like, don't tell your grandmother she's not dead yet. <laughs> like, like, don't, can you tone it yeah. down? Like, you know, here's your room and it's separate twin beds. And like, it's just like all these, they seem like no big deal. And that's the thing. But the rest of society says, oh, you can let them have it just this once. But it, the minute that we, for any extended period of time, ignore our own existence is when the shitty committee is empowered in our heads to replay mm-hmm. all those messages while we're in the same house where we learned all those messages in around the yep. same people who gave us those messages. It's, it's just such flashback material and we are worth so much more than that because let's be very queer. Queer people make the holidays go round. Okay. Like they're doing your yeah, church music. They're having your parties, you know, and they've they've wrote all the Christmas songs that your church sings. All of them. <laughs> yes. We made it go round <laughs> and then we're erased in our own work. So when you're getting erased yeah. in that it in your own work, it's like participating in your own oppression and knowing it Mm -hmm. and that just it's just a different kind of pain because 
at, yeah. which I think is another part of it, having to talk about why you're queer or what's the relationship with the person you're bringing. Or I mean, this year I got, I'm 45 and I still got your hair is awful short. You're not still gay. Are you mm. like that? That happened like two weeks ago. And, and uh, that's, yeah. I, and I can't just say yes. Like there's this whole, like, how much do you say when your family's like, we're okay with who you yep. are, but tone it down. Then that whole middle ground, that nebulous ground is harder than people just saying, don't come out because then I could say bye, yeah. but they mm-hmm. get both sides. They get to control the situation as well as they get to like, pretend like they're an ally they get both mm-hmm. things and yeah. you are participating in giving it them and you so you feel gross for yourself and for your whole community like i had i had this yeah. teenager that died in 2018 another member of our queer community that passed during the holidays and i think about him every year it, it it's like all saints begins this like it's not seasonal depression for me because it goes away in January, but it's like queer person holiday sads, mm-hmm. and and for I real. remember the people we've lost. It's a mourning holiday for me, really. Yeah, I mean, for the queer community also has a Trans Day of Remembrance is in November every year, and um, a World. AIDS Day is December 1st every year. So, I mean, there's like these really hard-hitting commemorations for the queer community in particular also that like falls during this year for a variety of reasons. So that, of course, is part of it too. Yeah. And then here's something that I think a lot of people don't realize too is um, a lot of people who are not super religious um, but still consider going to church on Christmas and Easter part of their family's observance of the holidays um a lot of times don't realize that they're going to a queer phobic church and they're trying to bring their kids there and stuff like that because they don't do the research but it's the service that has the um pretty candlelit silent night and so that's why they want to go there it's like no do your research too especially if you're bringing queer people into the well just period don't go to those churches no matter what because you don't know who in your family is in the closet first of all but secondly don't knowingly bring queer people to these churches either like do their fucking research seriously and the research is not a rainbow on the website just just put it out there not a rainbow so how how do we could we I, i don't think this was like part of your particular syllabus for the evening but Maybe we should talk about how to find if you were if you're a person of faith and you're queer and you want to get that little dose that little that little dose of, of of churchy churchy stuff. How what how can you lessen your odds that you're walking into a horror story? This is a very very good question that um, I think we need to give due time to, which we won't be able to get into this episode. But I think I'm going to have to invite you, maybe one of our mutual friends, Emily Ewing, on maybe River too. It could be a whole queer little episode yeah. where you can talk about like how to find a queer accepting congregation and what are some of the signs to look for and what are some of the signs that a church might not be accepting even if they don't explicitly say so on their website and stuff no, like that so but i mean speci- i think that's a good topic it's, for it's real. a really good job yeah we should definitely do that like in, in terms of just the holidays like uh 
uh, ask. <laughs> Just because your yeah. family member loves you to death doesn't mean that where you're going is going to love you too. You know, and like, and it's okay to say no. And it doesn't mean yeah. that you're not, you're not a good family member or chosen family member. You just can't yeah. risk it. And I mean, if, first of all, don't go to church if you don't want to, period. Like you should, nobody, especially people of church trauma should ever be forced to go to a place like that. They're just not comfortable going. But also like, I think it's also okay to tell somebody, say, if they want to go to a particular church, say, no, I'd much rather go to the Episcopal or UCC church, or maybe the RIC Lutheran church or something. And like, cause us queer people know how to find the faith communities um, that, that are more affirming by and large, like, and of course I'll link, make sure we link resources in the show notes about finding affirming communities too. But like uh, uh, for those who don't know or aren't as familiar, but like, it's okay to say no. I would rather go to this church instead, or something, if you want. Like, I think that you're well within your rights to do that. And the accepting ally family really should listen to that. And if they don't, then that's definitely a sign that it's not really an accepting family, regardless of what they're saying. Yeah. So even if they're accepting the whole rest of the year, like again, like I'm gonna put my foot down about it to myself this holiday. I don't. It's harmful to ask me to be closeted or to do something closeted or to tone down the queerness or to not talk about politics or whatever. It's, it's harmful for me to ignore my existence ever. Like not just right. once, is just once, just for this one time, just for me um, is not acceptable. Like ever. It's always harmful. There's no exceptions. And here's something that I really, a lot of this is targeted towards our queer listeners, but for our um, cis straight listeners who are allies, you know, one of the big things you can do is if you feel tempted to say, oh, grand because grandma's coming to Thanksgiving or grandma's coming to Christmas, I really think that we should just not talk about the gay stuff. Like if you feel tempted to say that or if you are in a family where like your parent is saying that or something, a good thing as an ally to do is to just not invite the person who's being queer phobic. Just don't invite them then until they are at a place where they're accepting like that's number one as a queer ally yeah. just don't invite queer phobic people to family gatherings I, I think it should be self-explanatory but for some reason they're like oh it's the holidays we have to invite grandma it's like no you don't why no, why you don't. do you you're have putting to your you're putting your queer family member in harm's way by doing that you really are yeah like I like what? Why? Because it's always been done before. Like it, it, I don't know. I, I, I don't understand what the. I know that it gets put on me. Their reaction to my queerness. So, like my my queerness is here, and it is a little loud. Um, and if someone yeah. has a problem with me being myself at a family holiday, then it's my fault that they have a problem. And, you know, I've been in enough 12-step, I go to Al-Anon, um, to know that, that that's their problem. <laughs> and there's just a, there's mm -hmm. a chronic case of them accepting from, like, expecting from us the things they should have appreciated. And we hmm. are expected to appreciate things that we should just be expecting every day. Like grandma came to the holiday. Yeah. She didn't, she didn't not come because you're queer. Wow. Let's give her some points. Why? What? Yeah. Yeah. 
I think this is a good transition into like some, I think, strategies that you can do to help survive the holidays. I mean, number one, of course, is if you do not want to go and you are safely able not to, just don't go. Um, I know that's not an option for everybody, but like that you really are not obligated to go to a family gathering if they're not going to treat you like you're a person. Like don't go to places that treat you like shit if you can if you are able to do so safely. Yeah. And then if you feel so, like you can't, yeah. you know, and you have to go or you want to give them the benefit of the doubt or they promise just this one time. Yeah. I mean, and also I mean there's something to be said like we are willing to put up with a lot for people we care deeply about. Yeah. And so I mean, I get that too. So I mean, that that's absolutely fine whatever the motivations are um but yeah w- what what would you say like i think safety planning is number one um to just spend some time to think before you go into the situation to think about kind of the following questions uh number one is identifying allies there like maybe you aren't out to your parents but you're out to a sibling so talk to your sibling ahead of time or if you're able to bring a friend who even if you're not out to your family just bring a friend or something that um, is willing to be an ally for you uh, or that you can talk to Um, and if you can't I mean of course try try to make sure you have someone you can text or someone outside the situation who could in a pinch like swing by to pick you up or something have that person on speed dial or in your favorites mm-hmm. or something. Just kind of think about these things ahead of time mm-hmm. is really important. That's that's a key one. That's a key one. This is not a time, queer folks, my beloveds. This is not a time to not have a physical way out. So like, like mm-hmm. it, there's especially if there's been any kind of trauma in the past, you never know how it's going to be brought back up or how you're going to feel about it, or who's going to bring it up, or who's going to corner you with a plate of mashed potatoes and want to talk about like family drama from years ago or family trauma from years ago. So just have a physical way out that that, that doesn't ask questions, right? So it has to be like a bestie that yeah. if you say, hey, if I need you to pick me up, can you pick me up? Then what you need is to be able to have, say, I need to leave, and a person be like, I'm on my way. Yeah. And your real allies will be ready and- to do that. And I mean, even if you don't have access to that or you're not sure of somebody who you can rely on, um, there there are still some other strategies. I'll make sure it's linked in the show notes. Uh, there's the Trans Lifeline. There's a, a Queer Youth Hotline. There are resources like that that you can get in contact even where you can text somebody um, as opposed to having to call somebody in crisis situations just to kind of talk you through um, and strategize with you uh, safety things you can do within that situation um, to keep yourself safe. So uh, I'll make sure those resources are in the show notes as well. Really important. And if you're, if that's not the particular space that you're in, but like the space you're in is like, I'm going to go and, you know, I don't think I'll be unsafe, but I know this is going to be like, just too many spoons just too many spoons yeah i think <laughs> then there's other my, strategies my you can guess with you. that's probably most yeah. of us i think my guess is that's probably most of us <laughs> are probably in that situation where we're like in some relationship but it's not like a great relationship <laughs> but we're still like we're trying our best and we know they're trying in their own way so or 
we're hopeful that they will be trying or something. So <laughs> that's real. Well, right. That's all of us. <laughs> and the single, the, the, there are two things I think have hit me in the, in the last couple of years that I, I've learned that I'm so glad I learned. And the first is I, I promise you, you have the right for, to make the space to react. You do not, you have, you have the right to time. You have the gift of time and the right to make the space to react. So you, it doesn't have to be, and, and dysfunctional families and conservative people will tell you that it does have to be black and white, that it has to be, there's only in or out. Um, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It is, it, it could be carving out space, getting away from everybody for a little bit just to gather your thoughts and, and then make a decision um, and you're allowed to remove yourself from the space temporarily just to gather your thoughts. Um, and it gets so, so mired sometimes with our families that it helps. Um, it, the best way to be able to make that space, yeah. and, and nobody, don't let anybody tell you you can't have it, but the best way to be able to make that space for yourself is to, this is the second thing, is to know beforehand what is not acceptable to you, to think about it. Think of like examples yeah. A beforehand of what's not acceptable to you because when you're in the space the a lot of times we get gaslit into thinking everything is acceptable mm. so like like yeah. i'm gonna draw the line when somebody tells me that gay is an abomination that's a line you could draw or you could draw an mm-hmm. earlier one which is i have told this person about who i am and about who my partner is and that they're a partner and whatever reason so many times if they if they do this particular action again where they erase me or people i love then that's when i'm gonna leave yeah like but then you know it before you go in because when you're in it in a gaslighty environment anything you know anything goes yeah and i have a have a trusted group of people like a group chat or at very least one bestie or somebody who you can just run things by through text or something like my parents say, said this or something like it has been an imme- uh, just a help beyond belief to have Susanna in my life and a few of my other close friends like when we're feeling gaslit and just be like hey is this really as bad as I think it is and just text that to the person who's not in this situation <laughs> and they're like oh yeah this yeah you're right there or they're like uh this might be your spidey sense tingling so feel it out a little bit more like all that kind of um stuff has been so helpful so so get somebody who you can talk to outside the situation if you can um of course if you have a therapist uh or their text therapies like better help and um uh I, i forget the other ones but like stuff like that where you can text people text therapy like all that stuff is helpful uh, self-care strategies too, like do things that can help you rejuvenate spoons and care for your body during this stressful time. Um, even if it's like just taking a walk to get out of the house and away from people for a little bit or taking a car ride or something, yeah, whatever you need to do, reading a book, uh, suggesting everyone go to the movies. Cause then it's two hours of sitting in silence, staring at a screen as opposed to like having to talk with people, whatever it is, <laughs> like make sure you, um, have access to can, some I, that can I give you some technological ones yeah okay please. so one is sometimes I'll like make a calendar event <laughs> okay I did this <laughs> I did this I made a calendar event one year that came back and reminded me and said in the middle of the event like an hour and a half once they'd really like taken off the hi how are you and like get themselves like um no it was two years ago and the, it, the calendar event popped <laughs> into <laughs> Sorry, that was a very ADD moment. 
I'm so ADHD. It's so bad. I cannot stay on topic. And it popped in like an hour and a half in after everybody had like lost the outer shell. And it in the and and it popped up and it just in very big letters was like, "Ding! Is this really worth it?" Like it was. <laughs> I love it. It totally works because it's funny. You totally forgot that you did it because Uncle Frank was being racist again, and it was like making you so angry. So like, yeah. like you, don't, you weren't expecting it, and then it just and it always it always pops up right when I needed to. Um, the other thing is that I know I had I don't know if you can still do it anymore, but in the free plan, but I did have IFTTT if this then that, um, which is an automation piece of software. Um, they kind of forced a, a more paid plan recently. And so that you can only get three automations for free, but it was a, it was a button on my phone. Just, it was like a program. And if, if I could either use a button or I could text a number and then what I had it automatically do was send me a text saying it's an emergency i need you to come home right now and it i would get a text from ifttt that said it's an emergency <laughs> i need you need to come home right now wow. um I love so you could be like oh look you know you could hold up your phone even be like oh look yeah. i got a text i gotta go it's an emergency um yep well yeah those yep. are some yep. things but yeah continue. and and uber you know, Lyft, just, yeah. they are technological advances in queer people getting the hell out of there. Um, <laughs> yes, just, yep. Go to a public place even if you need to, if you don't, just whatever you need, just get out um, if you need to. Uh, just to even, like, even if it's not dangerous, like we're saying, it, just to get out of the situation, to breathe, to recoup before you get back in, like, all, keep all of that in mind. Yeah. Um, January is coming. Uh, we january is yeah. coming <laughs> winter is coming to think of like game of thrones <laughs> bring a whole new meaning to that yeah winter is coming <laughs> oh god uh, but... oh my god that's such a horror parallel with like the night king and like oh it's so great yep um so uh, something that we talk a lot about on the show but just to touch on real quickly um for those who might not be familiar with the term of chosen family uh, what would you Say, how would you define chosen family and why do you think it's a big deal in the queer community? Oh, gosh. I mean, we have history, so much history. Um, And I know like so chosen family for me are the people that I rely on, that rely on me, that I have chosen or got. Well, as a Christian, I throw a lot of the I throw a lot of faith into this, into this definition, but that I feel Mm -hmm. that God has put in in my path to be my family in this life. Um, and they are the people that are increasingly stepping into mutually emotionally affirming and almost familial relationships, despite the fact that they are not, um, part of your family of origin, the family you were born into or were adopted into. Um, so those kinds of people and that those, it has a, I guess a lot of, it in itself is an example of like relationship anarchy that that these people hold mm-hmm. just as much importance in your life as the family that you were born into and that they are they have they they are even even more important that the family is who yeah. you choose or who chooses you sometimes um and can include the family you're born into can include some of them but mm-hmm. the family you were born into no longer no longer gets to make the decision that it's the center 
right? And so fa- so queer families mm-hmm. and queer folks have needed this for a very, very long time. And like the best case scenario yeah. is the AIDS crisis. Ha- I think it really solidified it in, in modern queer history because we as a community were losing so many and had to and and mm-hmm. and like ho- really just horrible horrible stuff going on in terms of the way that families would shun them already for being queer then we're shunning them for having the having the disease of HIV and AIDS and it just just it was it was so bad there were there were bodies not being claimed yeah. there were funeral services re- like refused like it was it was so we all became a community together yeah and and that's why it's so it's so important to us because we need family like all humans do and that's true but also i think there's an aspect of generational trauma in why chosen family is so important mm. to us yeah yeah I'm glad you touched on that history too, uh, through the HIV AIDS crisis. And I mean, it goes back so far. Uh, and there's a lot of kind of a queer read on the gospels. Um, and I don't, it, but it's not even a queer read. It's like right in the text that Jesus's 12 disciples and people like Mary Magdalene and, uh, Mary and, Mar- and Martha, uh, were all part of Jesus's chosen family uh and the ways in which they ate together traveled together basically shared in each other's life events uh really this close-knit community beyond just like friend ties but like uh in the way that people typically think of like blood runs deeper than anything else or something when they talk about bio family but like it's true in a sense that the people we claim as family especially in the queer community that there is something uh deep and deep and kind of um i would say even um sacramental to get churchy about it mm-hmm. about those yeah, kind of definitely, relationships definitely so no i'd love i love how you uh, said that yes sacramental and we made our own like we all make our own traditions as as a result of yeah. that and it's vibrant and beautiful and affirming for them i mean because we're so grateful but also, I just would like to add that we're also bringing some trauma into our chosen family relationships, too. I mean, if you have a bunch of people that came that grew up with any kind of childhood trauma, choosing to be family later, they're going to bring some of that dysfunction mm-hmm. with them. And um, so I, yeah. I don't want to say that all chosen family is like everything in the world. It's that it's all shiny, happy and unicorns. But it is yeah, compared real. to the Christmases I've been to, sometimes it is. Um but mm-hmm. the thing I've noticed is that with chosen family, when there's all that dysfunction, they're all trying to get through it together. They really are moving forward, yeah. not throwing a shiny, happy um, rug over top of everything. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be conflict. We're human. But exactly like you said, there's uh, I, I guess there's also this bond of shared. Uh, and I don't want to say trauma bonding because that's kind of a term that can apply to many things some of which are not healthy and good but like just this idea that we have this shared experience of being marginalized and that that can also share in the ways we can heal and talk with each other and support each other um, yeah so it's really important and those are those have been the most healing things from the most healing times that i've gotten through any kind of holidays when i had my queer family with me i actually provided the out for a while the exit strategy like that was my 
um, my holiday tradition uh, was on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. I was having a party, and the time it was going to start is whenever the hell your parents pissed you off. You could just cut like that. If they pissed you off at like 1147 and were super crappy to you, you can suddenly be like, oh, wait, no, I totally forgot. I was supposed to be at two nanas at one. Like, so, and yeah, my house yeah. was an open house. People came in from noon until like 10 p.m. that night. Just whenever, whenever, I think that one Christmas we had five people, like five different families pop through and it was, they left when things got enough. They had a reason Mm -hmm. to leave. Sorry, I went off topic. No, that's great because that's definitely one way that if you have the means to do that and ability to do that, a great way to support uh, your chosen family and those you care about. And that's kind of to the... uh, last question on this subject which is about ways to make sure that you can um, celebrate with your chosen family even if you have family of origin commitments so things like having especially during covid i mean we've learned how valuable zoom parties are and zoom happy hours and all those things um connecting over the internet if you're able to but even like if you're able to do like a friend's giving i know that's kind of a new tradition uh but also do like a holiday brunch or something with your uh, queer group of friends or whatever, like whatever you can do to make sure that you get a little bit of time and therefore uh, the re- to help nurture those relationships um, before, you- before you go into the relationships that might not be as nurturing or upbuilding. So. And, you know, sometimes we forget how, like like we have chosen family that's queer chosen family all the rest of the year and then during the holidays we ourselves turn well they're my bio family i have to do this and this and this and we forget mm-hmm. to and because i mean we've been taught our whole lives that it wasn't important so we're not going to be perfect at this we need a lifetime to unwire the lifetime yep. that went in um but uh like 100%. <laughs> it takes forever it's like like surviving the holiday season is is a difficult thing but you know, bit by bit you learn. You just pick up on it the next year, yeah. and it's a whole, yeah. <laughs> yep. Sadly, we are running out of time, but I want to make sure to ask you the last question I have on here, the as kind of a sneak peek for our upcoming BooTube episode for January. We're going to be talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, a show that I've been meaning to get into on the podcast for a while now, and so I think. Um, there's a perfect tie between uh, Buffy the show and what we're talking about with this queer chosen family um, and you as our resident Buffy expert like can you speak to that like what what can Buffy teach us about chosen family and queer identity <laughs> oh my gosh okay so a couple things um, I love that in the arc of the show and I don't pretend to be an expert on Buffy um, because there are people out there that really are and I would never want to take it from them or, or <laughs> piss them off. Um, so yeah. uh, we'll, we'll go yeah. with, um, I think for one, like this goes beyond the obvious that, that Willow ends up coming out gay. Um, like that's an obvious one, but also there's like, you see over the arc of the show that the bio families just kind of like, fade away they're not they're not they're not there Mm -hmm. i mean the the death of buffy's mom was a huge episode but these are not characters that the story revolves around in terms of the character's development so you have your main characters and they have chosen each other through various 
you know, trials and tribulations, Buffy and her friend Willow and Willow's girlfriend and Xander and uh, and on Anya, like they all they all have chosen each other. And when each one of them goes bad or has a crisis or something, it's that family that pulls them back. So like, there's a lot of like overt yeah. metaphors and in, in like this literally making mm-hmm. our metaphorical demons uh, real. That's the show. <laughs> so, yeah. so like, and, and you see a lot of times in there where when it comes to family, when it comes to the closeness that that we're talking about here and the willingness to like rely on you in a crisis, like they, they have chosen each other. And the show is about that relationship Mm -hmm. as a whole, even, Oh, even when it has bio family, even when it talks about bio family, it makes that tie between bio family and Buffy. Like when Dawn is introduced four seasons in, it makes that tie fuzzy. It makes it fuzzy. Like the bio family relationships are fuzzier than the chosen's. Yeah, I, I think that's a really profound point and something that I think was kind of intentional in the writing of the show, I think. Um, but the other thing, too, with that is kind of to your point about how in your um, Christian understanding of chosen family, how you read some of your theological and faith beliefs into that about how God is kind of bringing these people into your life. There's that very real understanding of fate in Buffy and the vampire slayer where fate has kind of brought these people together. That I think is a really interesting metaphor um, and something I hope we can get into in our boo tube episode next month. That's that's awesome. Definitely. I appreciate that. So, yeah, I don't think like Um, the other, there's not, I don't know. I could go on and on about Buffy forever, but like, I think Buffy's chosen family thing is, that, like there's a lot of shows that do like an ensemble cast and there's a lot of people adventuring together, but there weren't that many shows that did the concept of chosen family that well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I just keep talking. Um, no, no, that's great. I love it. Um, so definitely tune back for that. Do you, Oh, I guess um, I'll give you some time to think about what episodes, because I'm going to let you pick uh, what episodes, um, two or three episodes you want to do. To cover um to cover boot uh yeah for our boot tube of buffy so I'll, I'll let you think about that um and i'll make sure to announce it uh on our patreon but really super excited about that uh, so come back if you're not a patreon subscriber already like please come back for more and to uh subscribe to get into this conversation about buffy i'm really excited for it just i was thinking about how um what you said earlier tonight when you were talking about um oh what were you talking about you were talking about it's in the gospel the chosen family i'm i'm i'm, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. the part where jesus is on galilee and um john has just been beheaded and he comes on down and he starts ministry and the 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 fishermen leave um and and the fishers of men blah 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 which i you know love because it's like the first thing Jesus does is not hire theologians. It's go find some fishermen. Like it was literally go find the layest of the lay people, you know, like that couldn't possibly be mistaken as having theological training. Um, And yeah, but that part of it, the part I love the most is the part that says, um, and they, they left his, they left their father and went right. Mm-hmm. So they put aside this entire 
chosen family. I mean, this time, not chosen family, his entire bio family, which was a big deal. They were like giving up their family, their trade, their identity. Just why? Because Jesus said, come. Like they saw it, they saw it was the real deal and they went. Well, Buffy is similar like that to me <laughs> because each of the people that that add that become this chosen family are very much of the same vein. They had their own families and their own identities, but then they came into this and they dropped all of that behind. And because they saw what was what was worth fighting them for, they saw um, what they were looking for in each other and that and so there's like these interests i think it's very parallel to that part of the gospel where jesus is starting to pick up people and was picking people yeah that's my theology take there <laughs> i love it um, yeah i'm so excited for this uh boot tube it's gonna be a blast um and i think there's just so much theology in Buffy that we're probably going to have to do like a series of Buffy yes, yes, over yes. the next year or so because like we can't fit it all into one. So, um, but I know we can keep talking about it forever. So, and we have run out of time. So, uh, anything else? I'll ask the question that Emily Ewing asked in our sibling podcast, Nerds at Church. But anything else about life, the universe, or anything you want to quick shout out before we head home? Um. Just thank you to you and Emily and River and Matt for being chosen family to me and being getting us through the, you know, a global plague together and uh, through the holidays, yeah. like being like, OK, yeah, I'll do a service out of the blue and writing amazing liturgy like you do. But giving me those opportunities, <laughs> um, even during the holidays to um, yeah. not have to worry about the things that rob my soul, but the, but instead be surrounded by the things that fill my soul and um, also in a season of Advent to lament. So, I mean, like, yeah. I have the space to do that with my chosen family and I wish everybody, their chosen family, a, a wonderful holiday season with, yeah. I guess that's all. Also, the Buffy one will be great. Yep. Come listen. I mean, yeah, I haven't even gotten into that. how creepy it is sometimes to watch Buffy episodes now that you know what you know about Joss Whedon. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Oh gosh. Speaking of like the meta horror, of real mm -hmm. life behind the scenes mm -hmm. horror. But, so um, Pace and I will gab about yeah. that, but that sounds like you have to be a Patreon yep. supporter. So, yep, only five dollars a month. Um, so that's it for this episode. Um, if Typically, like I said, we read your real-life church horror stories, so if you have one you would like to submit to us, uh, feel free to do so at horrornerdsatchurch at gmail.com, and we'll uh, read those on the podcast. Uh, and I guess until next time, uh, have a wonderful holiday season, stay safe, um, and make sure to uh, be in relationship and find a way to be with the, uh, your chosen family and the, your loved ones um, as much as you can this season. 